0: We have now come to our catechism lesson, and we've come to the conclusion which we will reach with the doctrines of Christ. I will start by providing a soliloquy. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah 42. By peace, I will be reading it. It reads in verse 1, Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. Verse four, he will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice on the earth and the coastal lands will wait expediently for his law. Continuing verses six through seven and nine through 12 in Isaiah 42. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people. As a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and to those who will dwell in the darkness from the prison. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they sprout, I proclaim them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praises from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you on islands and those who lived on them, let the wilderness and the cities raise their voices. Let them shout for joy from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord. Considering to where we have come now from the beginning in the introductory lesson to where we have arrived today, we understood that the second person of the Trinity We saw him in his estate of humiliation and exaltation and why it was necessary. We understood why he took the function as a mediator of the covenant of grace, including his working as prophet, priest, and king. Now we must understand the redemption purchased by Christ and how it is certain, how it is effectually applied, and how it is communicated. So in short, today's lesson is to briefly summarize what we've learned with the doctrine of Christ as is noted by our standards, especially what it is to be necessary to be known and believed and observed for our salvation. So to begin, by what is understood when I stated certain, effectually applied, and what is going to be communicated, those will be my three points. To start at point number one. Christ, as our Redeemer, purchased a peculiar people. Again, a people were given to be his seed. John 6, 17, verse 6 states, I have revealed your name to the men who you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have followed your word. So, with Christ, for all all those who he has purchased redemption for How, then, is it certain? Well, then, the answer here is simple by point number one. God swore by himself, and it is to be so. I will elaborate further. I want you to know, by bringing your attention and remembrance, it pleased God in his internal purpose to choose and ordain our Lord Jesus Christ, who is God himself, God the son to be the mediator of the covenant of grace and note by my soliloquy that i provided in isaiah 42 verse 1 behold my servant whom i uphold my chosen one in whom my soul delights and as you noted with the previous lessons you will also see that the pastors have shown about god and his eternal decree For by his most holy and wise counsel, it is unchangeable, and he ordains whatsoever to come to pass. So then, being that his foreknowledge is infallible, and is free, and it is immutable, in his own will, to the praise of his wisdom, his power, his justice, his goodness, and mercy, what we saw and we can deduce from scripture the promise that god made with adam i mean sorry not adam with abraham the father of faith and how did he do it he did it by an oath for he can swear on no one greater than himself i bring you first to where it was done in the adage in genesis 22 15 through 18 then the angel of the lord called to abraham a second time from heaven and he said by myself i have sworn declares the lord because you have done this thing and not withheld your son your only son indeed i will greatly bless you indeed i will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sands which is on the seashore and your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now note how Hebrews six and verses 13 through 17 now gives this more context. It reads, for when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear an oath by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, Indeed, I will greatly bless you and greatly multiply you. So, having patiently waited, Abraham obtained the promise. For people swear an oath by one greater than themselves with them, an oath serving as a confirmation as to the end of every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to demonstrate to the heirs of the promise The fact that his purpose is unchangeable, he confirmed it with an oath. Now, I want to give this in more context, given the fact that when God says something, he means it. Note here, as Calvin will put in add context, what God says as well as what he swears is immutable. It may be with men far otherwise, though. For in their vanity is such that they cannot be with much firmness in their own word. But the word of God is in various ways extolled. As it is stated in Psalms 12, verse 6, It is pure and without any dross, like golden, like gold, seven times purified. And even Balaam, though an enemy, was yet constrained to bring this testimony as well. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of a man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do it? The word of God then, as Calvin continues here, is sure truth, and in itself self-authoritative, self-worthy of trust. But when an oath is added, it is an overplus added to a full measure. We have then, and we should take strong consolation, that God, who cannot deceive when he speaks, being not content with making a promise, he confirms it with an oath. So to conclude, my point number here is very simple. What God says it to be, it will be so. And when God does anything, we then should take our hope and being in him to perform what he will say and what he will do. I bring to you Hebrews six eighteen through 20, as I'll close the point here. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to hold firm to the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope that is both sure and reliable as one enters within the veil, wherefore we see Jesus Christ being the forerunner for us. As I now will segue to number two, if then that what Christ did was certain and that God is certain, how then the works of Christ being effectually applied? Simply here, we will look at the scriptures to understand and viewpoint what his life gave in meaning. Note that God, again, I bring your attention to some remembrance of what our past lessons showed us, the Son, When the fullness of time came, he took upon himself man's nature and being conceived by the power of God, the Holy Ghost, in the womb of a virgin, he had with him all essential properties and the common infirmities thereof, yet what made him different than us? He was born without sin, and in being that he was the God-man and being that that union was whole and perfect and they were distinct natures, we can see that the Lord Jesus Christ was anointed and sanctified above all measure. For in him, there was so much treasure. Actually, it is all treasure of wisdom and knowledge. He is all holy, all harmless, all undefiled and full of grace and truth and being that all those attributes I provided to you, it made it right that all the functions, workings and expectations of him were accomplished. How about I bring to your attention when I bring to your remembrance again, the threefold office that he took. Because he is the prophet in all ages, by his spirit and by his word, through diverse administrations, he revealed to his church the whole will of God. The Messiah speaks in John fifteen fifteen you are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, because all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you to continue he has revealed the mysteries of salvation and again in turn the people his people is then effectually persuaded by his spirit to believe and to obey first romans 8 9 and 14 however you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. I bring to you Romans fifteen eighteen. For it was spoken here, where Paul continuing an understanding about the Spirit bleeding a man to word indeed. For I will not presume to speak anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and by deed. The next office I will segue to is that office of priesthood. What was noted by his actions, his perfect obedience, the sacrifice of himself, which through the eternal spirit, he offered it once unto God Jesus Christ now has fully satisfied the justice of the father and not just that he purchased the reconciliation of the people unto whom the father had given him and of this he has provided for them an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven Ephesians 5 verse 2 Walk in love, just as Christ has also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Next, Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself whether things on the earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And lastly, Ephesians 1, 14. Who is a first installment of our inheritance in regards to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory? To add further into his priesthood, Consider then the body that was prepared for him. He then can endure the grievous torments immediately to his soul by being crucified and die and buried for three days and remain under the power of death. And yet he saw no corruption for on the third day, he rose from the dead with the same body in which he suffered. He visibly ascends to the heaven. For by the order of Melchizedek, he is to live and be a priest forever. Hebrews 7 16 through 17. According to the power of an indestructible life, it is attested of him. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So now, going to the last off. The office by which now, after visibly ascending into the heaven, he is sitting physically at the right hand of the Father. He is a king forever, overcoming all his enemies and ours by his almighty power and wisdom. He powerfully ordains all things to his own glory until he shall return again to judge all men and all angels, by taking vengeance on them who do not know God and do not obey his gospel. Romans 14, 10 to 12. For we will appear before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord to me, every knee will bow and every tongue will give praise to God. Verse 12. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God going on now by concluding this point for as Christ is our redeemer and executing the offices of prophet priest and king both in his estate of humiliation and exaltation we should now have comfort not only knowing with certainty but also why he was set apart and fully furnished with all authority for it gave him the ability to effectually apply redemption to his people. So lastly, by point number three, and I will actually use point number three to actually continue to my close. How then, knowing that Christ is certain in his work, knowing that it was effectually applied, how then was it communicated? Well, this I would tell you is that Hebrews 13, 8, tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever. And if that is the case, then we should understand the promise and hope that our Old Testament brethren understood. They had it from the beginning when the world began. I bring your attention to Genesis 3:15 when the when the Lord God spoke and I will make Enemies of you and of the women and of your offspring and of her descendant He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel So then There was some sort of revelation provided by John to show that our enemy was at a foot Revelation 13 7 and 8 It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe and people and language and nation. All who live on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written since the foundation of the world in the book, in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slaughtered. But note here He shall bruise you on the head. The victory is promise and guarantee and when should would expect this first corinthians 15 24 to 28 then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to god our father when he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power but he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet that last enemy that will be abolished is death For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. And when all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him so that what? God may be all in all. And if that is the case, consider that that God is all in all. His communication Though there may be a burning bush in one adage to the point that he comes in at an angel at another adage to the point where now he's being revealed by showing his true form as a man, he interceded for his people in all ages. Isaiah 59, 16, and he saw that there was no one and he was amazed that no one was there to intercede. Then his own right arm brought salvation to him and his his righteousness upheld him and in the same point he still was able to govern this church from the old to the new for in the old we had prophets majors and minors priests with finite orders rabbis and kings then we get to the new testament and its emphasis: we have first apostles then prophets and then teachers until our present time as we see with ephesians 4 11 through 13 we have pastors and teachers to do what? There was one unifying thing, one unifying proposition to attain the unity of faith and to unite all to the knowledge of the Son of God. So then I find it proper that I will conclude with this. In trying to conceptualize and provide in a short brief summary The doctrine that is of Christ it should give notion to everyone that in the fact that when God speaks something he is able to not only do it you can not only expect it but there is reason to see why it was done so with this I will conclude Not only my lesson here today, but our lesson as a whole with the doctrine of Christ with Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now has been disclosed and through the scriptures of the prophets in accordance with the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations, leading them to the obedience of faith to the only wise God through Jesus Christ. Be the glory forever. Amen.